Okay, so today we're going to be, I just want to kind of give you a little bit of, um, if you're if you're new here, just a background kind of. One of the things that we have just over, I don't know, the last several years been able to think clearly, I think hopefully more and more clearly about is like what do we really value as a church? What are we trying to do? What are we good at? Uh, we all know that God has called His church to... Um, the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations, and we know that. Um, but then you kind of have to ask yourself, like, is there something that we, uh, as a church, a, a way that we contribute in that way, or can we see something that God has used us to do, and, and then in light of that, um, use to, to, with all our force, kind of push forward in it. So uh, after kind of thinking about that for a while, we came to this place where we thought, there are two words that kind of describe that, clarity and community. Kind of, and last week we looked at that. Last week we said the Bible is clear. We believe it to be clear. We discussed the clarity of Scripture. We talked about how that is a doctrine that's been taught uh, in the church uh, that, uh, throughout history. Uh, people have said, like, we believe the Bible to be clear. And there was convictional things so that people ended up translating the Bible in the language of the people. So we have it in the English language. And that uh, for years, there's a whole study, and you study at any seminary, they would, you'd take a class on how the science of interpretation, how to read the Bible well, how to read it and understand. And we believe that people can understand it. And we know that the Apostle Paul believed that because he said he, he would write to churches. And sometimes he would speak to the leaders and say to the church. Like, so there was this feeling and understanding that they would know. And we know the disciples were unlearned men in their time period, and they, um, Jesus taught them and expected them to be able to understand uh, the things. And so God has given us his word. It was given to us in a way uh, that we can understand. That's what we talked about last week. So what we do is this. We know for it to have its true impact and intent, the Spirit of God has to help you understand the word of God. The Spirit of God has to enlighten you. You're born spiritually blind, spiritually deaf, but the Spirit of God has to work in you so that you can understand. But we also know that the Spirit has used, um, uh, uses like teachers, and the Spirit uses uh, just um, people over long periods of time. We can see out throughout church history uh, that the Spirit is using teachers and, and helpers to help you grow and understand the faith. And so what we've done is uh, we've tried to think about, okay, how can we help you read the Bible better and make it more clear and understandable? We're trusting the Spirit with God's help. We're trying to do that. And so we have a process that we've tried to develop following in the history of other people. And we have a study guide. We have a discussion that come, we come together. We have a sermon. We follow it up with a community group where it focuses on application. And we say this process, we think, uh, would be really, really helpful for people over a long period of time to learn the Bible. And so if you've been here very long or if you were to get on the website, you would see, oh, look, they studied the Gospel of John. They studied the book of Revelation. They studied First Peter. They studied Judges. They studied, and what we do is we say, hey, God gave us these books that are complete and they're a part of a bigger book, the whole Bible, and we study them systematically because we think God was giving it to us that way. And we do that over and over and over again. And we believe that that will, that will help for greater, that will give greater clarity. 
And the reason we want you to understand it more clearly is because then you will understand God, then you will understand yourself, then you will understand that Jesus came to save us from our sins, then you'll be able to uh, understand that in such a way where you can communicate it, and you can tell it to your children, you can remind it to, with, you know, you remind your friends, you can encourage people in this church, you can go out to your neighbor and say, there's a big message in the Bible, here it is, because we've studied it out. And you don't have to sit there and think that you have to live in the darkness all the time that you have to be confused all the time. We want the Bible to be clear to you. We want you to be able to sit down with us and, uh, and, and, and check and say, is what he's saying clearly in the Bible? And that's what we do. So clarity is a huge deal because we want you to give it away. I want you to be able to give it to your children, give it to your friends, give it to the lost people all around you. We want it given away. And we want it given away in a way that people can understand that they can really understand and grasp it. I want you to feel comfortable with taking your teenage son or daughter through a book of the Bible and say, well, let's read through that. And you say, well, no teenage son or daughter wants to do that. Well, we, I, I, that's not exactly true. If they are in Christ, they're hungry, right? But I want you to be able to sit down with them and read with them and say, well, let's talk about how you see this book and let's think about how to think about it clearly. And so everything here, we try to do that. This church is not really about uh, you kind of getting like nice little one-liners that you can take home and uh, you can say at the end of the day, like, oh, I think that'll make our marriage better. That's not the number one concern. The number one concern is I want you to understand the Bible. And we believe it's meant to be understood, and God gave it to us in that way. Second thing that we try to push here is community. And what we believe is that you grow in your understanding of God and his ways in the context of the church as a whole. That's how we grow. And we think that, that for you to uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, come here and say, even listen to a sermon. You get online and you listen to a sermon and you're like, oh, I understand that better. But... There's no way of really testing that or there, there's nobody like coming alongside saying like, are you living that? So it's like that that's not the church. A sermon is not the church. What we're saying is, is the sermon is important. Teaching the Bible is important. But but that whole process happening within the context of a local church is essential because you either can, uh, you just if it's just like you and kind of your Bible or you and your sermon or whatever, you're not really having to test and see and work through. And not only that, have you ever uh, had someone teach you something in a textbook and then you sit down to try to do it and you're like, I have no idea what to do. Is it the flaw of the textbook? No. It's just that you've got to have both. So we have very clear instruction and teaching. We do a 9.30 hour deal. We have a 10.30 sermon. We have all this stuff that kind of goes together. But we still the pr- process of growing together is extremely important to us. And so that's what we're talking about today. And then we're going to jump into Amos, and we're going to be in there for several weeks. But today I'm just saying, what 
if I think about like we're to go and make disciples of all nations, uh, what I feel like God has gifted our body with, and not just me, but our body with over a long period of time, is we, we know how to teach people to read their Bibles. And if they'll hang with us, we'll help you read it better and better and better. And we also, I feel like we understand that there's this insane, like, valuable thing of like being able to live that out within the context of a believing people so that you're kind of straightened out where you're wrong and also encouraged along the way and you're encouraging others. And that makes for a really healthy environment for you to grow and for your family to grow towards Christ and, and live for the glory of God. That's kind of what we say. So clarity and community are at the heart of what we are doing. So we don't believe that you're a lone ranger. We don't think that you're supposed to walk alone. We don't think you're supposed to live on an island. We think that you grow most fully within the context of a vibrant, believing, uh, faithful community of believers. And um, we think that that's just the reality. And so we keep encouraging people in that way. Now you say, well, that's great. Did you come up with that on your own? I, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Philippians chapter 3. Paul has spoken of like leaving behind his self-righteousness and putting his full hope in Christ. And he says, this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained which is gripping christ he's forgotten all the junk that he he said if self-righteousness could get you there i would have gotten there more than anybody but i count all that as trash because for the 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 surpassing value of knowing jesus so he's gripped him and those who are mature are those who are holding fast to jesus and making a lot of him and so this is what he says Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Listen to that again. Join in imitating me and observe those who walk according to the pattern, you know, this example that you've seen in us. All he's saying is we're following Christ and others have followed us in that regard and now you do the same. That, that's it. So it's real, real simple. Clearly understand the message and then put yourself within the context of what Jesus started, the church, what he promised to bless, a believing people coming together in the context of, of again, like a, a body, and they are like striving together to know and live and walk in these truths so that's kind of a huge thing now you might say well how huge well 61 another's in scripture huge that's how huge there are 60 in the new testament times where one another is used that's huge to me some of you might have okay so like if let's say this let's say uh if we were to look up the word um, well, I'm trying to think of one now that might not be used that much. So let's, let's do one more often used. 
Like if you were to look up the word believe in John's gospel over a hundred times, over a hundred times, d- does that mean anything? No, no, I don't, I don't mean anything. Really? Why would he say over a hundred times believe? That's crazy, right? So it must be important because repetition, repetition in something reveals importance. Repetition. If something is mentioned 3,000 times in the Bible and another thing's mentioned five, what, what are you focused on? It's not that, that other, those five times something's mentioned doesn't matter, but you're saying like the overarching thing is this. This is the mega theme. This is the mega theme. It's not to say that that is not absolutely and completely true and need to be heeded, but here's the mega theme. In John's gospel, believe. I've written so that you might believe. So what we're saying is, and you're just thinking about this, when you're looking at it, is we're looking at one another's and we're saying, hmm, that's mentioned a lot. It's mentioned a lot. Why does he keep talking about that? Over and over. Why is it in every place all the time? Why do you see that so much? Not every place, but in a lot of places. This is why. Because the Apostle Paul believed that you were to live life together. The way we talk about it sometimes here is just saying like the church, and I've heard it you know, in different contexts talked about this way, is, is, a, is, is in this hostile old world in rebellion against the things of God. And it's a safe house. And what you do is you come here not so that I can, like, shoot T-shirts at you or throw you cotton candy. That's not why you come here. It's not because I'm really funny. That's not why you come here. You would be really sad if it was like, you'd be like, that dude should never be a stand-up comedian, right? That's not why you come here. You're coming here week in and week out because we want to know and understand and grasp the fullness of who God is. And you want to get that because you're giving your life away out in this hostile world. And you come in beat up. And you come in frightened. And you come in like, I feel like I was enticed away from the things of God today or this week. And you come in and somebody says, look, let's do a little spiritual surgery this week. Let's firm up some things. Let's sew you up so that you can get back out there in it. That's, why, that's what you do. And so we gather together and live out those one another's because we're, we're, we don't want to live at this all alone. This, it's crazy to think that we actually could. So we value community. That's at the heart of what we do. The Bible values community. And so this is what we're going to say as we move forward. What does it mean to value that? Number one. We love one another. So you can look up this text, 1 John 4, 7 through 12. We're just going to talk about it for a couple minutes and, and move forward here. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God it was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son in the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Meaning it is seen. 
So what happens is, if you've been born of God, you love what God loves. God demonstrates his love for his church by sending his son to endure his wrath on behalf of that church to rescue them. And so for us as people of God, we would say we ought to love one another as we have been loved by God. That, that's the natural outflowing of that. And so th- th- God has really shown us his love and given us his love and birthed his love into our hearts. So we grow in our love for one another. Jesus demonstrated it for us by his life, death, burial, and resurrection, what it means to love. So we're motivated by that love. A question for you might be this. What if Jesus loved the church like you love the church? What would it look like for us here? I mean, that's, that's kind of a big question because I think it is important to consider that. And what, I'm say- <clears throat> what we are saying here is this church is striving towards like a love for one another. We're trying to press into that. We're trying to live in light of what has been done for us because here's the thing. The world can be really, really dark. The world is not just filled with just love everywhere. You know, it's just, it's not like true, genuine love is something God has to communicate to us. It's a communicable attribute, something that God can give to us. It is something God has to do to us. We are by nature not lovers of God and lovers of men. It has to be birthed into us. It has to come by the new birth, him working a love into us. And then I think we have to strive towards that because our inclination is not to do that. Our, our thoughts a lot of times are, uh, if I say, what do you value most? Well, taking care of my family, right? And, and the, the Bible talks about that as, as a good thing. But is that the highest concern? Is that the chief concern? If you were to read the Bible and say, is that the number one concern, that everything is surrounded around my little family? If so, why are you here? Why, why, are you, why would you be here? It's, I mean, at the heart of what it means to love the Lord is to love his people. In the end, in heaven, you're still going to be hanging out with your little family? That's all that you'll be thinking about? No. It's in the end, when we're looking at all this, there are people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and they love each other like he loves there's this eternal relationship that the church is going to have with one another, being loved by God and loving one another forever and ever and ever and ever. So we value community. We're striving to love each other rightly. I mean, that's just, we're striving to do that. Do we always feel like that? Do we always want it? No. We don't always want that, desire that. We're not always perfectly doing that, but there is within the 
the, the people of God, like God has worked in us such a way that we would love. So we value community. The second thing, just to, you can write this verse down again in, in Colossians 3, 12 through 14. The next thing you just say is like, we value community, so we want to foster good attitudes towards one another. And this is, again, another tough one. Where I'm like, do we really want that? Do I really want that? But listen to what it says. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against the other, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So what Christian virtues are you to put on? Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Like you think, well, I'm patient with those that I, I mean that are patient with me. It's like, okay, that's not exactly what this is saying. Well, I'm compassionate as long as like there you get to a point where like my compassion's done. I'm patient, but hey, I'm just not that patient. The deal is, it's like, come on, these are Christian virtues. These are Christian virtues. So stop saying to yourself, well, I'm not really that kind of person, which is something I will say to myself. It's a narrative that I kind of like speak to myself over and over. Or like saying, like, I bear with one another, but there comes a point where I'm not going to bear with them any longer. I mean, that's just a, we struggle with that. And, and Jesus speaks of that, to, to, to forgive and to forgive and to forgive and to forgive. And some people say, well, I forgive you, but I'll never forget it or whatever. And, and I understand kind of what they're saying. But the reality is, it's like there is this commitment that you see to like forgiving people. And it's not like they're keeping score. A lot of people's marriages are that way. They're keeping score all the time of who's done the most forgiving and who's done the most this and who's done. it's like what is that it's not christian whatever it is it's not christian uh, but but these christian virtues are to be we're saying like hey that's part of it we should have strive to help one another now is that going to struggle are you going to struggle with that sometimes absolutely does it seem like some people that the lord's put in your life they put in i mean god puts them in your life to almost like test every at every turn whether you're really sanctified. Yes. Like that's just, that's going to happen. But we're striving towards that. So this church, just when you think about it, because uh, God leads different people into different places at different times, this church values community. We're striving towards these things. The third thing, by regularly meeting with one another. We really, really, really desire to do that. And, I, I mean, we really encourage you to do that. We, we believe that um, it would be hard to live out the one another's if you don't meet together. How, how would that work? That doesn't work. It, it's like you don't, I mean, you say, I, I love these people, but I don't ever meet with these people. You've got to gather with them. Community, and Anna and I were talking this week, and she said, uh, we were talking about discipleship, 
And, 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 and I was like, oh, man, I, I, I just hadn't thought about it in a while. And she, says, she said, Jared, I mean, one of the things, like, you've got to understand, as we were talking about discipling our boys, is it requires time. Not time watching them practice their next activity. Not time taking them to, I don't know, some kind of lessons. Not, not time just like, uh, I don't know, watching them do whatever activity you have them doing 50,000 times a week. Like, they're not going to, what you know what they're going to miss out on if you just like cart them off to the next activity? The very thing that they need, which is time with you investing in them like putting your phone down and investing in them that that's that's what they need because they regularly need to be with someone who is walking with God and seeking to live this out the Christian life and what you need to be able to do is as you're walking alongside them you're looking and saying like what is going on in his heart that he is acting in this way how can I speak into that right now while he's listening to me? That's a big deal. You cannot, you know, you can have a lot of things in your life, like you can pay somebody to do it or like pass it off, but that's not an area to do that. You have to regularly, it's like with church, you cannot pass that off. You can't just, so you, you have to regularly meet with the body to enjoy the benefits of what God intended for you to enjoy on this earth. It stirs your heart towards the things of God. It encourages you in moving forward. There is this element, and I promise you, I, I promise you, it doesn't matter if you listen to the best Bible teacher in the world, there is a ceiling that you will hit by just reading or listening to that stuff. It's good. It might be good. But you'll hit a ceiling. You know why? Because you don't have to use it. You don't have to use it apart from... If you're outside of the church, you don't have to use it. It doesn't have to be tested. It doesn't have to be given away. So you hit a ceiling and you say, No, but you don't understand. I know so much. But I'll say, You don't practice it. Because you've never been in the context of where it's practiced. So it doesn't matter what you've read. It doesn't matter what you've listened to. What, it, what matters is, are you going to break through to the next level, spiritually speaking, so that you can be used for the cause of Christ? You have to do that within the community. Because when you meet with that community and you stand across that person, you're like, they're hard to love. They're not like my kid that I keep not even thinking about how wicked they are and not address their sin. Those people are hard to love. And not only that, like when I get face to face with like flesh and blood before me and I hear that person's testimony of how they've invested in somebody in the community and they've reached out to this person and they've been praying for this person for 10 years, all of a sudden I have to wake up and say, this is not a lab, this is not a textbook, this is living life. And they're confronting me with it. And then all of a sudden when I'm sitting there and I'm mad at my spouse 
And I sat down with somebody that 40 years has been in a hard marriage. And they are saying, we kept moving forward one step at a time. By faith. By faith. We ran the race one step at a time. And they look at you and say, take the next step. Forgive today. Forgive today. Do the right thing today. Love that person sacrificially today. I can't take a hundred steps. I can't look five years from now. But I know what you could do today. I know what you can do today. That's community. And you're like, again, us just like hearing about it. And saying, was it that great? And filing it away as something like maybe to get into an argument with somebody about. What is that? What is that? It's not the way it was intended. You regularly gather. Listen to this. Hebrews 10. And let us consider how to stir up one another. I got to say this. My boys, I read this to them the other night. You know what they said? Well, you always stir up so-and-so. And I was like, I, only, I was like, in this way, right? And they're like, no, that's not how you stir them up. But anyway, it's not stirring up in the way that I like to stir people up, you know? Stir up one another to love and good works. I kind of think like in the long run, maybe, you know, I'm helping them. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. You need to be stirred up. You just do. And you get stirred up as you observe, I mean, sometimes a negative example and sometimes a positive example, but these people that are trying to run this race, you're encouraged to keep going. Because it's a long run for most of us, and it's tough. Now, here's the thing. Again, just I want you to think with me. Wisdom is not knowing the facts about the Bible. Wisdom is taking the facts of the Bible and life and holding them together and saying, what is the proper response in light of these truths and in light of what I've just faced? Let me ask you this. If you've, walked, if you've really walked with Christ for very long, have you come to the place where you didn't know the right step? I mean, honestly, if you haven't, you, just, you, you, may, you, you may just not have walked with the Lord very much, you know? Because the more I know of His truth and the more I experience life, the more I'm left with, like, I, this, is, this, this is a hard one. But I feel like this is a hard one, this is a hard one, this is a hard one. So what happens? Do you know what I do? Generally, I start calling people. Like people, and I, some people don't do that, but I mean, I would just call people that I felt like walked with the Lord and could like help me think through that, navigate it. You know why I call them? Because I have a relationship with them. You know why else? You know the other reason is because a lot of times I'll say they've been there before, they've seen this before, and it helps me, and it helps you. 
and God intended for it. That's why, again, there's 61 another's in the Bible. So, I think that's just important to say it. Now, the other thing is, um, we, we're thinking, and I read that Colossians 3 passage, it says, not only let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, but also singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. You say, is singing important? I mean, yes. It's like you want to, and I'm a little bit, I'm going to be honest with you. I can't hear you sing that good, as, as good as I thought I'd be able to in this place. And I, I, I don't know, are you just not singing? I don't know. But that's frustrating. And the reason it's frustrating is that when everything's kind of crazy in my life sometimes, and I come here and I hear the people of God sing, I say, I believe that. That's true. It inspires me and moves me forward. And so to not be able to hear you is you're either mumbling, you're sitting there. I mean, I don't think we have it too loud, but whatever. But I just want to encourage you to say, like, you don't just come here, and honestly, you say, well, I hadn't been to, to church in a while. It's like, you may, let me tell you something. Do you want the saints to persevere? Do you want the people of God here to persevere to the end? Then you should be here. And you should be here when you're here. Like singing, challenging, praying, encouraging. And you should, like, you should be prepared to put something in it. Like you're putting your life into it. Because people need to be encouraged and challenged and, and move forward together. Okay. So, we value community. How we live that out is by loving one another, fostering good attitudes towards one another, regularly meeting with one another, and by serving one another. I, I, this is an interesting passage because it's 1 Peter 4. You can just write that down or pop over there real quick. 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 11. I want you to just do this. Even if you're whoever you are here, I want you to hear how many one another's there are kind of strung together. So there's 60 in the New Testament, but how many here? The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a special gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the manifold grace or very grace of God. Whoever speaks is one who is speaking the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay, how many one another's? Do you all know? You know? Did I see three? Y'all see more than that? I see three there. Three one another strung together. But I just think it's important to say you have love one another, show hospitality to one another, and serve one another. So we've already talked about loving one another, but I just think it's important to be reminded that is probably its most used there. Showing hospitality would be, and we always talk about it this way, living a do-disturb life. 
disturb me. It's okay to disturb me. And, and, and it's, it's, it's okay to say to somebody, do you have time at this moment? Certainly, but it's, I, I want you to disturb my life is kind of the idea that we would want to be doing you know, life in that way so that we would invest in others. And, and what, if, what if that messed with something like you enjoyed doing? You know, like are you supposed to show hospitality to other people when you feel like it? Guess what, I'd never feel like it. <laughs> right? I would never feel like it. It's like, do I want to go play with my kids? Do I feel like it? Well, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Kids over there like, man, Dad, you don't want to play and do that? And it's like, no, I really don't want to get in the pool today. But, but, what, what am I wanting to do? I want time with them. I want to love them. I want to show kindness to them. I don't always feel. If I was to show hospitality or serve whatever, like when I felt like it, I generally would be sitting there kind of like, eh, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Okay, I want to talk about serving one another real quick. Your gifts, now here, let me, this is another kind of question that you might want to consider. If you are a Christian, you have been spiritually gifted. If you are not employing that gift, are you in sin? If you're not using those gifts, are you in sin? I'm not saying if you don't have a title at the church, if you don't have a job, if you're not employing those gifts within a body, are you in sin? Answer? Probably. Right? I mean, he says, and it's very clear, he says, as each one has received a gift, use it. So I would say, yeah, you are. You are. If you're sitting there saying, like, I've always been really good at like just kind of not giving my life in service to the church. Well, you've been really good at not obeying Jesus. Right? And so I think it's important just to say it because I, I think God has gifted the body. And you, like I said uh, earlier in the 930, it may not, you may not always know what that is. What you do is you serve. You start serving. You live a life of serving other people. And what you do sometimes is look back five years, two years, three years, four years, five years, and say, you know what, I delighted in doing that. People were blessed by it, and I got to, like, spend my life serving in that way, and that's how I did it. And some people would say, well, there's no opportunity for me. It's like, okay, that's not a good excuse. That's just not true. You can invest in people in a million different ways. There may not always be a title to go with it, but you can always serve others and you always should be striving to serve others so our church this is i really do think and when i think about the mission of the church i think all churches are to do the same thing but when it comes to individual churches their gifting and their place and their time in history and all that kind of stuff that's the that's kind of like god gifts different churches with different things our church i believe has the ability to clearly teach people the Bible. We just do. I think we have a a, a system that starts with you studying on your own, discussing with other believers, hearing the sermon, and then an application piece, that you do those four things every week. There are people that have told me three months here, I learned more than I ever have in my whole life about God, His Word, all... There are people that are actually able to come to me and say, I was never able to explain the, 
the gospel to my, my family, and I can now, after a couple of months. You're like, what? What is that? I'm just saying, with the Spirit's help, as we work through this process, people are learning the Bible. We can do that. Our church does that. We're striving to do that better and better and better. The other thing that I think that God has gifted our church with is a love for one another that, that, that the whole body seems to try to work together to do the work that God has us to do. And so I feel like we live out of that community piece. And I think people feel that and sense that and want that and cultivate that here. And so God may call you to be a part of this or God may already have you here as a part of this. Keep striving in that way. That would be what I say. Keep doing it. And the strength he provides, keep doing it. Keep keep moving forward. Keep pressing on and pushing into that. Because that's what we're called to do as a church. And that's what we want to do. And we want to be like faithful servants of our Lord who has rescued us from our sins. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful truth. That you have called us to not live alone. To not be isolated. To not think of like growing in Christ's likeness just as being in a classroom. But growing in Christ's likeness together as a family of people with different gifts. We just pray that those gifts would be shown and on display and that we would we would strive together and that one day when this world is overtaken by Christ's reign in, in, in the new heavens and the new earth, come. We will get to enjoy the fullness of clarity, the fullness of community. But while we wait, we just pray our church would just keep trying to tap into that and that we would guide others to do the same. In Christ's name, amen. If you would stand with me.